welcome to episode three of Speaking of MedTech, a new podcast series from MedTech Insight on all things medical devices. I'm MedTech Insight Executive Editor Sean Schmidt. And I'm Steve Silverman, former Food and Drug Administration Device Compliance Director. I'm now head of the Silverman Group, a consultancy for industry. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about arguably one of the biggest regulatory changes to come down the pike in decades, and that's the ongoing harmonization of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's quality system regulation, which is going to broadly change the way FDA handles device quality oversight. Now, of course, the quality system regulation, or QSR, is the bedrock rule for making safe and effective medical devices in the United States. Device makers that don't follow the QSR can't legally sell their products here, so not following it is obviously not an option for the vast majority of firms. The QSR was written in the mid-1990s and put into effect in 1996, and this is the first time it's undergone a revision. Now, what the FDA is doing is taking its QSR and aligning it with International Quality Systems Standard ISO 13485, which I'm sure you're familiar with if you're a regulatory or quality professional, especially if you're working in a large company with manufacturing facilities all over the globe. But in case there's someone listening who isn't familiar, ISO 13485 is used by device makers to ensure quality systems compliance with regulators in a variety of countries outside the U.S., so the FDA announced in early 2018 that it would undertake this massive QSR harmonization effort, and it's been working on the new draft rule for more than three years now. The agency has promised to release the draft rule before the end of this year, at which time stakeholders can weigh in with comments to the agency. A final rule, which may or may not be titled Quality System Regulation, we don't know yet if the FDA will keep or change the reg's name, that final regulation will eventually follow. Now, that's the super quick, high-level view of what's going on, just to get everyone on the same page. So, Steve, let's start with some discussion around how the QSR differs from 1345 and why the FDA decided to harmonize its regulation in the first place. Definitely, Sean. To begin, I'll talk about the differences between the QSR and ISO 13485. But first, let's talk about the similarities between them. And those similarities are significant. 1345 was updated in 2016 with changes to the standard to make it a lot closer to the QSR. For example, both the QSR and 1345 now contain basically the same requirements for purchasing controls, device labeling and packaging, management responsibility, and handling non-conforming material. But there are differences as well between 1345 and the QSR. Foremost is the fact that the QSR is a regulation. This means that its terms are compulsory. Device makers must meet these regulatory requirements. By contrast, 1345 is a standard. That means it's a voluntary set of principles meant to guide regulators and industry device quality practices. Inherent in this standard is the idea that manufacturers can find other ways to meet device quality requirements. But as a practical matter, and in many places around the world, ISO 1345 is treated as bedrock law. In terms of why FDA decided to harmonize the QSR with 1345, I think that the answer lies in the similarities between the FDA regulation and the international standard, as well as the fact that device manufacturing is becoming increasingly global. I mentioned before, the QSR and 1345 overlap in nearly all respects. As important, 1345 has worldwide recognition. 
This means that device makers who want to sell devices in the U.S. and abroad must meet two sets of quality requirements that are essentially identical. For example, a firm like Johnson & Johnson must be able to show international regulators that its devices are 1345 compliant and show the FDA that the identical devices satisfy the QSR. Imposing different regulatory models arguably made sense when there were meaningful differences between them, but with the alignment of these models, distinct treatment isn't helpful. Candidly, it's confusing and risks unnecessary contradiction and wasted resources. But what does FDA mean when it says it wants alignment with foreign device regulators? And will this harmonization of the QSR with 1345 promote that alignment? I think that to understand this idea of alignment, it's best to contrast it with the idea of identical requirements. The goal is to create aligned quality requirements between the U.S. and foreign regulators. So let's talk about purchasing controls, for example. Alignment means that whether we're looking at the QSR or 1345, the purchasing control requirements for device makers impose the same expectations and best practices. But the actual language of the FDA quality system purchasing control requirements may not be identical to 1345. This is the key difference. Alignment means something that produces the same result, while identical means something that uses the same language. And alignment makes sense. Getting FDA and foreign regulators to agree on identical device quality requirements would be brutal. We're talking about a multi-year process with protracted negotiations, followed by a multi-year process to implement whatever FDA and the foreign regulators agree on, if they agree at all. But that's not necessary. The goal here is manufacturers to have the same set of expectations for device quality requirements, whether those devices are sold in the U.S. or abroad. Alignment gets the job done. So to get back to your original question, Sean, yes, I do believe that alignment is a successful strategy. So how do you think these alignment efforts will ultimately affect the QSR? I think that the QSR will be the focal point in discussions about alignment with 1345. That is, we're going to see changes to the QSR, not 1345. And the question will be, do changes to the QSR promote alignment while maintaining the spirit and purpose of the underlying QSR provisions. FDA is definitely a critical party in answering that question, but there are other critical parties like industry, healthcare providers, patient advocates, and foreign regulators. Okay, so let's talk about facility inspections. The FDA will also have to revise its compliance program to make sure that its inspectorate is trained to the new QSR, and the agency's quality system inspection technique, or QSIT, which is used by its investigators as sort of a roadmap during inspections, that'll need to be updated too. So how do you foresee inspections changing under a new QSR? The changes that you described, Sean, will definitely occur. And that's a heavy lift for the reasons that you cite. And for other reasons, like developing an understanding among investigators of how QSR provisions sit side by side with ISO 1345 provisions. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure how much inspections will fundamentally change. FDA investigators need to determine if manufacturing facilities are operating in a state of quality control. To make that determination, they can apply QSR or 1345 provisions that, in nearly all cases, use the same benchmarks and look for the same results. 
that's not a very different set of criteria. Um, I'm reminded of when I drive in Europe, uh, except for England, because they all drive on the wrong side of the road, and that's terrifying. Speed limits in Europe are set in kilometers per hour. That's different than in the U.S., and it takes getting used to. But the basic idea of speed limits and using a car's speedometer to meet them is nothing new. So in the device regulation space, I don't doubt that there will be challenges as FDA investigators consider new terms and revised techniques to show compliance. This transition will take some time, but FDA investigators are smart and motivated, and I don't worry about their ability to successfully transition. Do you think inspections could be easier for FDA and device makers under a harmonized quality systems rule, or do you think that maybe it'll be more difficult? I think that the answer depends on who's asked the question. Start with international device makers. I think that the inspection process will be easier and potentially faster than what they see with standard QSR inspections. And this makes sense, and there's some proof for it. These manufacturers are already meeting ISO 1345 in most of the world. Now, they don't need to demonstrate QSR compliance, which basically just shows the same quality manufacturing capability. And look at MDSAP. This is the program that combines FDA and international regulator device quality inspections. MDSAP uses 1345, so these international device makers are already showing that they meet this standard. Now let's turn to companies that only sell products in the U.S. The device ecosystem is diverse and includes small and mid-sized companies that sell to U.S. markets. These firms will need to adapt to a revised FDA quality inspection system that includes elements that they haven't seen before. And this will cause some disruption and confusion. But remember, the Center for Devices and Radiological Health, or CDRH, will roll out this change over years. Even making the basic regulatory changes will take years, and CDRH will follow these changes with a multi-year transition. So there's lots of time for firms to learn about the switch, including that it doesn't actually require fundamental changes in how they assure device quality. Lastly, Sean, we've got FDA, and I think that the change is a super heavy lift and that FDA will need years to make it work. And when I talk about FDA, I'm not just talking about ORA investigators, although teaching them how to use an aligned QSR and 1345 inspection approach is going to take a tremendous amount of resources. From a larger perspective, I also mean CDRH staff who are every bit as new to ISO 1345 as their ORA counterparts. And just to be clear, by ORA, you mean FDA's Office of Regulatory Affairs, and they handle most of the agency's field activities. That's right. And the fun doesn't stop there. You know who else needs to be educated? The device lawyers in FDA's Office of Chief Counsel. Sometimes these lawyers are involved in device enforcement actions, and when those actions start referring to ISO standards, they need to know what the standards mean and how they relate to the QSR. So the scope and impact of this transition is huge, but not every affected party is affected in exactly the same way. You know, I mentioned at the top of this podcast that the FDA has been working on this harmonization effort for more than three years. The agency keeps setting dates to put out a draft of the rule, but <laughs> much like Lucy taunting Charlie Brown with the football, um, the agency has a track record of setting a release date for the draft QSR only to blow past it. And, you know, that's happened six times now since 2019. 
But Jeff Sherman, who's the director of CDRH, he's promised multiple times this year that we'll see a draft in 2021. So are you optimistic that it'll get done this year? Or do you think the draft will ultimately be punted into 2022? I mean, it's already November 3rd. Sean, I have breaking news. Um, my birthday is Friday, and Jeff has promised me that my present is a draft rule. Um, and for the record, that's a lie. And if you quote me, I'm going to deny saying it. Bottom line, I'd be amazed if the draft rule comes out in 2021. There are so many factors in play, like FDA's ongoing pandemic response, the fact that there's still no FDA commissioner, and device user fee negotiations are ongoing. And with all of these factors in place, I'd just be amazed to see a draft rule this year. At the same time, there's no rush here in reality. In the U.S., we have a stable system, the QSR, and the rest of the world can continue with ISO 13485. Yes, maintaining these two models is inefficient, but it's an inefficiency that's been in place for decades. In my mind, there's no question that FDA is going to align the QSR with 1345. Will it happen in 2022? I hope so. Will it happen ultimately? Yeah, I definitely put money on it. Interesting. Okay, so let's look ahead a bit here. When a new harmonized QSR is finalized, how long do you think the FDA will give device makers to comply with the rule? I've heard multiple experts say it'll probably be three years transition time. And in mid-2020, I heard an FDA official say manufacturers will get, quote, several years and you said earlier in the podcast there will probably be a multi-year transition time. You're standing by that? Yeah, Sean, I absolutely am standing by what I said with respect to a multi-year process. I do think that that is the transition period that we are going to see even after the final rule recognizing this inclusion of ISO 1345 takes effect. I couldn't tell you about the total timeline except to say that it's going to require time so that affected parties, including device makers and FDA, have time to incorporate this new approach into the way that they do business. And I think that's going to be measured as a multi-year process. You know, what's interesting, Steve, is that it's not necessarily industry that will have a rough time adapting to a harmonized rig. And that's because, as you mentioned earlier, most manufacturers are already familiar with 13485 and the QSR, so their learning curve likely won't be substantial. Rather, it's the FDA that'll probably need every minute of any transition time to get its house in order. And that's because the agency will need time to update any satellite rules that'll be impacted by a new harmonized QSR, as well as guidance documents that tie back to the current version of the quality system regulation. And Obviously, by satellite rules, I'm thinking about the reg for recalls, you know, corrections and removals, as well as rules for adverse event reporting and device tracking and, and others. You're right, Sean. All of FDA will be extensively affected by this regulatory shift. FDA definitely means ORA, but we can't stop there. As you said, multiple parts of the agency are responsible for multiple documents that cite the QSR. I wouldn't even be surprised by FDA components that don't fully know the documents that they've published that cite the QSR. So there are concentric circles, and in the middle are groups like ORA and CDRH that are directly affected by this regulatory shift. But the circles continue outward and touch multiple FDA components. That means a lot of due diligence, a lot of time, 
and a lot of resources to get this shift right. You know, Steve, we could spend hours chatting about this, and we'll probably have another episode of this podcast dedicated to the Harmonized QSR, but I think we'll leave things here for now. Um, That makes sense, Sean. I've got this topic pegged for a 2030 podcast series. <laughs> um, That's actually a lie, um, but a multi-year process, I think that's a fact. So that closes out today's podcast. You can check out our next episode of Speaking of MedTech in two weeks, when Steve and I will be talking about digital health, which has become an enormously important issue for the FDA and device makers. Should be interesting, so make sure you tune in, as they say. In the meantime, you can always check out our full suite of MedTech Insight podcasts and much more at MedTechInsight.com. And always remember, you can find us on Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. Until next time, thanks for listening. 